like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word? My haunt life. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. And Russell, our podcast and website is called My Haunt Life yes. because we met going to haunts and that's what we one of the things we love. We love scary things and haunts, but we also love things like immersive theater and regular theater and escape rooms. Escape rooms and magic shows. Like we've bonded over magic and there may or may not be a video of you in your past. We are not discussing that video. I'm just throwing that out there for context. I'm just saying. No, not that video. I'm talking about <laughs> the the one of you performing. The charity show, yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but with all that being said, we have a first for the podcast. And I'm really excited because we have an interview with the new Bad Boys of Magic. And gentlemen, thank you for being here. Uh, if you could introduce yourselves. Hey, everybody. I'm Eric. And I'm Dan. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We first encountered you guys last year at the Hollywood Fringe Festival uh, at a show called The New Bad Boys of Magic, I believe was the actual title of the show. That is true. So, And that show, Mike and I just walked away from just so happy. (laughs) Yeah. And I made a joke because I was like, oh my God, it's like the magic version of our podcast because you have the one guy that's like, it's like, whatever, screw everything. And then the the guy, the nice guy. So Russell, you're the nice guy, I'm assuming. Uh, Damn it. (laughs) It's obvious, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I'm the nice guy. That's great. That's a fun place to be. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Fellow nice guy. In real life, though, Dan and I, uh, our characters are kind of switched. I I feel like I'm the nice guy. Based on the feedback I hear from most people. Um, But yeah, we like uh, like that. We like the vaudevillian feel of having like two kind of opposite characters. And you don't see uh, many magic shows where people are in character other than just i'm a magician right um, yeah so many magic shows are just a guy standing there telling you what he's going yeah. to do and... i will make this disappear yeah. i made right, it disappear yeah. it is disappeared so and i'm going to... to make it reappear so we like to think that we uh took uh took a little time to put some thought into creating and scripting and crafting characters and stories uh, to go with the magic in the show. Well, that show kind of painted a rivalry between the two of you. And uh, I, I guess I'm going to ask this question now. It's, it's, it's among our notes. Is that show coming back? Uh, we don't have any plans at the moment to do that exact same uh, show, but we have... Uh, we have a few irons in the fire, uh, you know, ways that people can see us in the future. Yeah. I think if anything, if we bring back I mean, we will bring back a full-length show, but I think it'll be, like, a better version of that. That was our first attempt at a full-length show because although we've both been magicians since we were, like, kids on and off, we've only been working together in this capacity for, like, two years. So that was our first go at it, Hmm. and we learned a lot from that run, and now we're, like, still testing out stuff with this monthly show, and it's only going to get better. That's uh, just... We hope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're we're just dipping our toes into this. So we're... We're going to fully submerge our entire bodies uh, uh, real soon. I'm just going, just based on that, I have two questions. Um, you know, the first one is 
how did you guys meet? And the second one would be, you, you have both been doing this since you've been kids. What got you into it and how'd that start? Uh, I have probably the, the more uh, stereotypical story of how I got into magic, which is that I was gifted uh, a magic set uh, when I was five or six for Christmas uh, and uh, never looked back and uh, took up the tricks in the magic set. And then when I was a teenager, really tried to uh, not make a living, but earn some money doing uh, party magic and kids parties and local events and things like that. And I kind of tabled it and stopped doing it when I was in college. And that is when I met Eric, uh, because we were both doing uh, comedy in Chicago together. We were both doing like, improv and sketch comedy. For me, it was uh, my dad was like obsessed with magic. And so I, it wasn't really my choice. Like I was just around magic a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our family vacations were to like magic conventions and like Vegas and Cincinnati, Ohio <laughs> and stuff. Um, so I kind of like got too much magic as a kid. So I was like over it for most of my like adult life until I, I had known Dan in Chicago through like improv and sketch comedy and stuff. But um, it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that we both realized we had like a history with magic. Yeah. Well, I remember when we were in Chicago, I remember um, uh, uh, somebody that had uh, worked with both of us saying like to me, like, Oh, you know, who also does magic is Eric Siegel. And then saying to you like, Oh, you know, who also does magic is Dan Donahue. And then we like talked about that briefly. I remember. Got it. But then didn't do anything with it until we had lunch here in LA together one day yeah. and did some tricks for each other. It didn't seem like anything I wanted to get back into. I was like <laughs> yes. done with it. It was, just yeah, a, it was, it was yeah. a part of a chapter yeah. that had closed. Um, but, but I'm, I'm glad we got into it because like, I know so many people just trying to be comedians or writers like me and Dan, yeah. but <laughs> You know, in L.A., what are there, 100,000 people trying to be writers? But there aren't that many people comparatively trying to be magicians or trying to do something that specific. That is true, yeah. It's a good community to be a part of. And and I like that we're doing it now on our... We're kind of doing it on our own terms. You know, we work together, and and it's not like when I was a teenager trying to do it for kids' parties and events and things like that. That's a tough life. There are guys that do that full-time, and there's so much um, negotiating of contracts and and hustling for gigs, and uh, thankfully we're you know we're not living that life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're not really trying to be professional magicians in that way. Yeah, I think we're going for like straight to a Vegas show or something like that. <laughs> or at least I am in my mind. But, uh, but we're not just trying to. Be we won't job. take anything less than the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. But like we're shooting for something bigger than. Like, I don't want to be a children's magician or a corporate magician or, like, either it's a fun hobby that we do or it's, like, something really cool. And those guys are great, by the way. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nothing wrong with the people. It's almost like I don't love magic enough to want to do a day job living at it, but I do like being a comedian. Absolutely. And so to do, like, uh, a magic show like the Fringe one that you guys saw, like, to me that was fun, not because of the magic, even though that's why the audience might have came but because I got to be a character and make jokes and people were more interested than usual because I was a magician too. Yes. absolutely. Well, I think that's, that's, I know that's what I responded to was the fact that it, it was actually a very funny premise and the rivalry between the two of you and the personalities that came out in that show, it, like it, the magic grew out of the rivalry rather than this is a magic show with jokes. 
And I think that's why, you know, on this podcast, I'm always the one looking for the story and looking for the emotion. That's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm the one with the feels. <laughs> so Mike that, has no feels. Yeah. <laughs> Mike has no soul. Um, and I mean that lovingly. Of course. So, <laughs> yeah. You yeah, sound yeah, like but... my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, that's one of the reasons we responded was exactly what you said. It was like, it, it, the comedy was something that was unique and new mm-hmm. and comedy magic is not what you guys seem to do. It's like, it, it's more character driven. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's oh. uh, you're, you're uh, saying everything that I think that we set out <laughs> to accomplish kind of, which is yeah. great. Good yeah. feeling. Yeah. All right. So then, all right. Did, did, did they answer your questions? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think so. Yeah. yeah. How did we get into it? And how did we start? And how did we meet? That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm going to go a little into the how did you meet? So you both come from the Chicago area then. That's right. Yeah. All right. And you're both working because Chicago is a rich comedy environment. I mean, it's known worldwide as being the training ground for some of the finest comedians. So how did you work that circuit? And like, where did you, where were you performing and training and uh, well, I think we both started when we were uh, kids. Uh, yeah, as kids taking classes at like Second City. And, did you uh, do the teen ensemble? I did this the Second City. We were both teen in the Second City for... teen ensemble. <laughs> About six years of my life. We had an yeah, audition, yeah. although I think yeah. everyone got in. Uh, I don't know. By the time I got to it, it was very competitive. Okay, you know, I'm very yeah. flattered that I was chosen for the Second City yeah, teen ensemble. Yeah. And then that was, I would say, that was probably the peak of my comedy career in Chicago. And then uh, I was doing. Um, a lot of uh, um, random improv shows and sketch shows across town uh, throughout college to keep occupied. And and I moved here just a few months after college. Yes. And Dan's a few years younger than me, so I was in Chicago up to like an older age. So I was performing at I.O. and doing sketch comedy with some friends and doing improv. Um, but yeah, I was at the age where it's like either I'm really trying to make a go at Chicago comedy and Second City and, like, being on a stage there but really putting in, like, the time. Or I'm just moving out to L.A. to, like, I don't know, start mm. over. And and that's what I decided to do. Thankfully. <laughs> no, no, I have a lot of love for Chicago. It's a great city. It, it is, really is. It is. I do not want to spend winter there, but it's a great city. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that both motivated yeah. us oh, as well. Yeah, oh, huge factor in my decision to move away. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems silly, but it really is. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, I totally get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, until you live in a place like that that gets snow and blizzards and freezing rain and black ice and all that, like, you don't understand. <laughs> right. You really yeah, don't, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm from Massachusetts, so See, I feel your pain. You know, yeah. Anyone, yeah. Anywhere near the Midwest or... Um, East Coast, yeah. I, uh... As like a side gig, I tutor here in LA and I tutor really wealthy families, but so often the students are like, oh, I hate California. Like, I can't wait to go to college in like Minnesota or something. It's like, what are you thinking? You have no idea how good you have it right here. Yeah. Just stay close. Uh, I, uh, I Total sidebar for just a second. I uh, I work in editorial. I, I edit kids programming programming kids cartoons i mean that that's what i do and i once pitched myself to an editor that i really really wanted to work with on a live action show and they were going to location in philadelphia for the winter and i was like i will move on my own dime i want this job so badly and it's like he already had his crew so he like is like no no it's like i'm using local people i come from philadelphia it's like i really appreciate your interest and he said and by the way you just proved to me that you're insane <laughs> the fact that you would be willing to move Absolutely, philadelphia for yeah. a job in the head of, in the dead of winter yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're insane <laughs> i was like that's me <laughs> 
Well, when you're hungry for a job, you'll do pretty much anything. Yeah. But totally. at this moment, if I had to move to Philadelphia or Chicago <laughs> for winter, I don't know if I'd do so. That's why we're looking at Vegas. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Oh, that was a George Romero movie, by the way. I know. I remember that story. Yeah, it was like, because <laughs> uh, George Romero is one of my heroes. So, uh, is he the director cool of the original Night of the Living Dead? Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Got it. See, I know, I know a few horror movies. <laughs> Don't think as we much as totally you guys. We totally belong on this haunting <laughs> podcast, guys. <laughs> and just because no looks happened when he said it, I just want to reiterate children's programming. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a strange juxtaposition for those of you at home. So yes, I have wheelchairs and straight jackets and chains and demonic figures. Wow, (laughs) that's my living room. Don't ask about his bedroom. (laughs) So right at the beginning of this conversation, you guys mentioned the upcoming shows. So one of the reasons Mike and I wanted to have you guys on is we both love magic. Uh, you know, we, whenever we can get to the magic castle, whatever, but you guys with this variety show are offering something that I don't think is really going on in LA. And I don't know if you're familiar with Monday night magic in New York. Oh, oh in, New York. in New York. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like a very long running. It's a very long running variety magic like, trip, because yeah. Monday night. Most theaters are dark. It's like, yes, you know, yeah, if there are yeah. magicians touring or coming into town, it's like there, there's like a variety show. And L.A. has never really had anything like that. So my question for you is, is that what you're aiming for? Like a monthly variety show? Because right now on Eventbrite, there are tickets for upcoming shows. So is that your goal is to have a monthly variety show? Because the show that Mike and I just attended, you guys sort of hosted and you did several things yourself. But you were playing host to literally a variety show lineup. You had a ventriloquist, you had a mentalist and a author, you had a magician, you had... So it's like, what is the future of this show? And please give the information to our listeners because we want to support you in this. Yeah. Um, well, the, the genesis of this was after our shows at the Fringe Festival last year, we were hanging out a lot at this bar down the street called The Three Clubs, mm-hmm. which is a funny name for magicians to be hanging out at three clubs. Anyways, and uh, we saw that they have a cabaret venue in the back, and we thought, this is a great uh, great space for a magic show. There should be a magic show here. And um, I got in touch with um, the booker at the three clubs who said, you know, great, we've been looking to have an act like this at the, at the they call it the back bar stage. And so we did a, a test run of it in October, and now we're doing it monthly uh, and yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head, which is that, um, I think originally we conceived of it having several magicians, uh, in a lineup that we would host, but then one magician after another is a lot. And you know that even if you, you said you go to the castle a lot, oh, yeah. uh, you know, at the castle, you see so much magic that we thought, well, let's pepper the magic with uh, some other kinds of alternative comedy mm-hmm. and uh, nightly entertainment and things like that. And so, so yeah, we've... we've. Uh, I think part of the inspiration, yeah. too, was the first show that we did in October, we had this magician friend of ours, Nick Paul, fill in <laughs> for someone at the last second. You might know Nick. Uh, but he's an amazing magician, and like his whole act is just set to music. And he went in the middle slot, and it went so well and made the night like feel so full that we were like, maybe the middle slot doesn't have to be magic at all. Yeah, maybe it yeah. could just be mime or juggling mm-hmm. or in the last show ventriloquism. Or, uh, yeah, we have kind of a mime silent sketch act yeah. with Amar uh, Enriquez this next month. Um, but, yeah, 
I think the the purpose of the show as a whole is to do like many things, you know, number one, Phil may be this void in like, it's hard to see maybe really good magic in LA for cheap. Yes. Um, yeah. Or in Hollywood outside of the magic castle. Um, it's also going to be a great way to like introduce magicians to each other that might not meet. And we're happy to do it. And we also know a lot of like comedians from Chicago and second city guys. And so to like kind of cross pollinate these worlds a little bit. Uh, and for Dan and I, it's a great way to meet a bunch of magicians, invite some of our like biggest hero magicians to do the show, and for us to just test out stuff every month. It while really we build challenges us to create new material, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is <clears throat> which is good, we, you know, because otherwise, if if we didn't have this show, who knows if we'd be creating new material? We might be stuck in a rut. So it's it's mm-hmm. good to have something to always, and it's always good to have a next thing. Yeah, you know? to keep us motivated. Yeah, yeah. And you know, if we survive this year. Of, of like doing a different show every month um it would be great to keep it going like and have it become an institution like the the monday night magic that you mentioned in new york yeah. uh, is that every week or every month uh i believe it used to be every week i don't know if it still is or not yeah, uh, i haven't attended it i haven't been in new york on a monday night in years there are two guys that i've seen at the castle that have done it chris capehart and harrison greenbaum that are both uh really terrifically funny comedy magicians and mm-hmm. uh spoke very highly of this of monday night magic but i've not actually gotten the chance to see it but it'd be great to have something like that yeah absolutely yeah and the three clubs is like the perfect venue in my opinion oh yeah it's a great life. venue for this type of show yeah. it, it's just small enough where you can do card tricks in like an intimate way but it's also just big enough where you could do like big illusions if, if yeah. we ever invited like a big illusionist guy to totally uh, perform there so yeah it would be great to turn it into something like that uh, it is an opportunity, definitely, and and you're right. It is a great space. Um, it 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 is one of the fringe festival venues, anyway. You know, they, yes. they do put fringe festival shows, right? In right. So, I, you know, hopefully, people will realize that that space is there and come out and support you guys because you know we really really enjoyed it. And you know the the idea of having the close up magic as a pre show thing, you know, which your uh, hub was your yes. yeah hub yeah, was yeah, the magician, yeah. and um, he was amazing. Yes, and we had yeah. such a good time. He's a know. winner of the Magic Castle. The Magic Castle has a, a semi regular strolling magic showdown where they compete <laughs> to see who's the best strolling magician, and he is a winner of that. Yeah. So we were very lucky to have him. He's a great guy to work with. Uh, but yes, yeah, so for the listeners that don't know, the format of the show uh, is um, we have a, a stage show that starts at 8 o'clock that features all the variety acts, but then in the hour leading up to that, you're welcome to come and the doors are open and there's a magician walking around and performing um, tricks at your table. And at the last one, we had a tarot card reader and uh, you know we try to make it feel like a, like an event. This is um, like you something you show really get a lot out of. Yeah, yeah. You get a, you get, show up early, you have a drink, you enjoy everyone's company. Yeah. I'm trying to create that kind of atmosphere. We were talking a little bit because we ended up, there were three of us there that night. It's a good thing for a, a group of friends, completely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you're, you're in kind of a bar atmosphere and it's very social and very casual feeling. And, and you're right. It is, it, you're offering a venue at a lower cost to see a very unique type of show, which there aren't a lot of venues in Los Angeles that you can get that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we, we, you know, we know that we're not at the point where, uh, we're going to become rich from magic yet. So we tried to price this in a, in a way that would be very uh, accessible to, uh, to, to our friends and people that want to come see it. Yeah. And there's something about like, uh, if you're trying to really make a show 
like I love to get it to the point where Dan and I don't have to worry about inviting our friends. Like we just expected the audience to be there every month, mm-hmm. and we're just starting, so obviously we're not there yet. But um, you know, there's this great stand-up show at a place called the Virgil called the Hot Tub Show with Kurt and Kristen, and it's every single week. Um, two you know famous comedians host it. The lineup is always incredible. The bar is really cool, and the show costs five dollars, and it has costed five dollars like since it began ten years ago. Because to them, it's not about making money. It's about having a cool night. Mm-hmm. And I'd love, you know, we, I don't think we would ever raise the price. If anything, we would just no, yeah. make it a solid five instead of 10 just because we don't want to think about it. Like if people yeah. want to, and the hot tub show is so popular that people get there an hour early just to line up yeah. to make sure they get a seat. And then there's like 80 people standing in back. Um, but that's exciting. Like they don't care about the money. They just want to create this exciting regular show. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've been fortunate enough through through the f- shows we did at the Fringe Festival and a couple of times we've done at the three clubs now, we've been fortunate enough to have uh, full houses every time. It mm-hmm. seems to be um, popular and growing in popularity. And uh, I'm still waiting for the day when it all somehow comes crashing down, yeah. but hopefully that day is, uh, <laughs> is far off. I do yeah. get more and more nervous with each show, yeah. but also... It seems like with each show, maybe there are more people that we have no idea who they are. There are more just strangers just showing up to see this. Like word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As long as that trend continues. We were just going through the will call list from the last show that we did just a few weeks ago, and it was mostly people we didn't know. That's true. Yeah. So it's great. You know. Yeah. Just got to keep that going. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your dream lineup for one of your nights? Oh. Well, right (laughs) off the bat. um, my or our current like magician crush is named Rob Zabrecki and he like headlines the palace at the magic castle all the time and he is amazing we were like just too scared to reach out to him for a long time because we kind of want him to like hear about us before we ever, <laughs> like approach him but he is uh-huh. just uh he's absolutely I-, I don't know if you guys have ever seen him work yes but... I have. oh okay oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's true. Oh, okay yeah yeah he is uh, very unique yeah. he's very unique yeah <laughs> what it is is that it's not you know i've seen a lot of magicians in my life even as a kid and like the best magician like the best card magician the best coin magician mm-hmm. but zabraki is just uh the funniest i've ever seen in like a really dry way that i love and like i think he's just the best character actor magician i think that's what it is yeah that i've ever seen yeah, yeah. like yeah. i could imagine Agents just being like, I just want to cast him as the creepy graveyard guy. And yeah. like, he's, yeah. uh, he's just, he's very charming. Love that guy. So that's one. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing about if, uh, if we're ever lucky enough to perform with him or for him someday is I think he would really appreciate what we do because his, you know, he, he laid the groundwork for bringing that's true. Char- a strong character like that into magic. So. Do you notice how Dan and I just start talking like schoolgirls? Mike and I have moments like that sometimes <laughs> on this podcast about yeah. <laughs> who, who, who would get you two to be uh, giggly? It, it depends for 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 me like certain horror film directors would sure. have that effect yeah. yeah you know it's like uh you know and and actually i've i've actually had the chance to to meet him like john carpenter has had a huge influence on my life hmm. one of the reasons i'm in editing is because of john carpenter because i saw you know when when i the first time i saw halloween i i even as a high school student i realized it was all manipulation and all trickery that actually it's not really a very violent movie and it's rated r because the tension that it creates is not rated r for gore right because the the 
the gore is off screen and the one moment of gore that is on screen is through a fogged window you actually don't see what's going on so like so like to me that's you know and i like i was at a q a one time and i got to ask him a question and i was like <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna ask like have you ever met him and did you keep it together <laughs> no i like i, I was a, i actually able was able to ask an intelligent question and and you know he his answer you know i i asked him like because you know you always have to compromise, you know, on shows. It's like everything is a compromise in even live theater and film. It's like somewhere there's a corner that has to be cut. Somewhere like somewhere like literally the chair won't fit there. We have to do something different. I mean, hmm. it's like there's always a logistics thing. So I asked him, you know, like, hey, you know, what movie came the closest to your vision? And he just very drolly looked at me and went, none of them. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, okay, that's a real artist. It's, Never uh, it's funny because that that story brings me to something that you kind of alluded to earlier, Eric, which was like, you know, compared to any other field that we've been in, I think we've found that the magic community, it, everyone in it, is so much more approachable, and um, and you can you can get to everyone and have a conversation with anyone at the Magic Castle. And that just doesn't, I don't know if that happens in industries like, you know, you're saying you, you look up to your favorite director, mm -hmm. but the the biggest moment that you might have with them is you get to stumble through a question and a Q&A yeah. with him, you know, which is where, you know, whereas, you know, in, in this very small insular community like Magic, we might one day be having a drink at the castle with one of our heroes and talking for a long time. And I, I've enjoyed that uh, about this about this community so far, mm -hmm. which we're still pretty new to. We've only been members of the castle for about uh, a year. Yeah. Or it'll be a, a year and a few months. Yeah, so yeah. But I'm enjoying it greatly. Yeah. How, how was the audition process for you? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was intimidating. Yeah. It was yeah. really intimidating. Everyone always asks us, because they, they uh, made us audition separately, so everyone asks us what would have happened if uh, one of us had... Uh, not been permitted in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have to cross that bridge. So, uh, yeah. We, yeah. Well, uh, if it's anything like the Chicago improv world, like, oh, what if you make a team and you don't? You'll just never be friends again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, harsh. <laughs> no, sometimes that happens. I, I think we would have been fine, but uh, it would have been awkward, certainly. But yeah, that was. Uh, that was a fun night. One of the, you know, one of the, one of the great achievements of both our lives, I think. You it, know? it was, yeah, it was really cool. You have your, your, um, Magic Castle certificate uh, frame, which I haven't done with mine yet. Yes, I've only I've had framed it prominently yeah, yeah, yeah. in my in my apartment. <laughs> oh wait, I want to get back to the dream lineup. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Who else? Yeah. That's a meaty question. Mm -hmm. So Zabraki's on there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can ask anyone in the magic world to do our dream lineup. Well, <laughs> whether you yeah. know, look, the higher up the chain we go, the more likely they are booked in money making you know, yeah, jobs. Yeah, yeah. But you know, almost anyone would probably do the show if they were available. Um, but I would say uh, Mike Caveney oh, and, and his wife, Tina Leonard, are both, like, absolutely astounding. Um, this is my dream lineup. In my dream, uh, we convince Lance Burton to come out of retirement. <laughs> okay, so this is if really the listeners don't know, lineup. Lance Burton is uh, one of my favorite illusionists, longtime Las Vegas, yeah, I, uh, now, I, now retired. I take he, Matt King. Matt King he's still would be quite great. Unfortunately, he's oh, currently yeah. employed by uh, Harris, Harris yeah. or Monte Carlo. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Or no, Lance Burton was the Monte Carlo. Lance Something Burton was the Monte like Carlo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll skip. Uh, I'll skip Chris Angel. I wouldn't even, uh, yeah, even I if he came to me begging. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I saw Chris Angel 
back before. I, I don't know, you know, like he did this weird turn in his career. He used to perform in the basement in Times Square of what was like the World Wrestling Federation gift shop. No, wow. And there was a th- weird little theater downstairs. And he used to perform in that space. And his act, when he was first beginning and first kind of sort of developing who he was, uh, there was a lot more mask and costume work. And he did beautiful pieces. And every now and then you will see him do a piece that sort of harkens back to that. In his Vegas show, there are moments that harken back to that. And, I, and I, I'm sure Cirque du Soleil gets all the credit for that. Mm-hmm. But Chris Angel was doing some of that in a basement in New York, in Times Square, years ago. And it's like he had this very weird sci-fi vibe to his show. And he certainly did some of the, you know, he did the you know, person vanishing in the chair and he did some of the, the really standard stuff that you would see. But, you know, he did it with such style and he did it with this weird sci-fi-ish edge to it. And I really liked that. And then, you know, it's like he, he sort of became a, a different entity. But every now and then I will watch something he does and go like, oh, I kind of see like the, the costume work and the like that he used to do. That's, I mean, that's nice to hear because one of the things I've, I've, you know, admittedly, I've never seen him live. But uh, one of the things I get asked a lot, I don't know you, but uh, people always ask me like, so do real magicians hate Chris Angel and David Blaine? And my answer, you know, I mean, I certainly have uh, opinions on the work they've put out there. But the answer is like, these guys fundamentally are really skilled magicians. Yeah. They're really they're some of the best to ever do it. And that, you know, that alone makes them worthy of, of respect in some some way yeah i'm sure if i saw chris angel when he was coming up like you're describing i would have liked him but there's something about it's just easy to pick on someone who has like a tv special that you don't like you know but obviously he got there for a reason Mm -hmm. yeah we we frequently make fun of his on his most recent special he did a stunt where he impaled himself on the uh (laughs) (laughs) and like a whole restaurant of paid actors are pretending to be random customers His specials uh, cross a line of like <laughs> staged versus reality. I, I, Although, yeah. as our, as our, uh, I believe, uh, um, uh, our dear friend Greg, who uh, uh, helped uh, produce, really produced uh, uh, the Fringe show that we did, Greg Carber, Greg Carber, uh, he once raised the point to us, like, you know, is all right, fine. He uses a camera trick and a paid audience or a stooge or whatever, but is that not that's a trick. Magic, a magic in 2018? Yeah. Is that not a trick? And I think there's a merit to that. Yeah. And also there's yeah. showmanship yeah. behind it. Too. Yeah, absolutely. The way he yeah. presents it and the way it's done is showmanship. Yeah. I, I, I will share with you a great Chris Angel story. Please. And it was from that show. I met him afterwards and he was selling, because he's also a musician, and he was selling his CDs <laughs> and all of this after the show. And I walked up to him and said, I really enjoyed your show. And and if you've ever met him in person, he's a buff guy. I mean, he's in awesome shape. He's a really buff guy. Uh, He's a big guy. And like I said, he was in the basement of this shop. And this little kid, like really little kid, comes running up to him. And of course, to the little kid, Chris Angel is this massive human being. And he looks up in complete wonder at Chris Angel and says... Are you a wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Angel looks down like, no, I'm a magician. <laughs> and the kid was crushed uh. and just turned and walked away. <laughs> That's not how I expected that yeah. story to end. <laughs> <laughs> 
that, what that probably means is that child's parents never bought him a magic set. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, that's exactly what that yeah. story means. <laughs> he has no sense of wonder. No sense of wonder. That kid needs more art in his life. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you, Mike. Okay. All right. Who's your, like... Who would be the person that would fluster you if you met them? Uh, probably Jesse Michaels. He was the singer of Operation Ivy, and that's the band that got me into like punk and ska and everything back when I was like 12. But you never have met him? I actually did. You did? Yeah. I met him when he has a he had another band called Common Rider, and I met him at a Plea for Peace tour um, when I moved first moved to California. I think it was like 2001, 2002. And it was, it, it was literal, like like kind of like speechless. Cause like he was just hanging out watching one of the bands. I was like, are you Jesse? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, thank you. And like, I was so awkward, but it was just like, I couldn't tell him like, you're the reason like I'm who I am right now, you know, sure. but, but I got to meet him. So, which is cool. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah it's hard. It's hard. It's like, <laughs> what are we going to say? Like, there's really nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just worked with, uh, uh, a student who's one of his, uh, the student's parents is a celebrity that I grew up like idolizing. But luckily for me, I just never brought it up, <laughs> pretended like I didn't even know, <laughs> even though they knew I knew who they were. But, uh, and so I didn't, uh, I didn't get flustered, but I'm sure if I would have ran into that same person at a bar, I would have been like, Hey, you know, <laughs> I really like all your stuff. <laughs> um, so going back to uh, dirty tricks, how far in advance is it planned out? Like how many shows do you have planned? And is it a case by case basis? Like, Oh, we did really well this month. So we'll do it again the next month. Uh, they for sure have us, uh, dates, uh, through March. So we just did the January show. We'll have a February and a March show. And then, um, from there, the process is a little mysterious. I don't know what the next step exactly is going to be. I, uh, you know, we haven't we haven't uh, heard anything to the contrary. We haven't heard anything. Uh, you know, I mean, I would say so far it's been a great success. Uh, yeah. So hopefully it gets to keep going. But uh, you know, ultimately that's up to the to the venue. So don't forget to ask them. It's like you know, like don't ever assume that yeah, they, yeah. they don't expect you back. Just, right, like, right. Make yeah, sure yeah, you yeah. go to them and say, by the way, guys, next month good. Are yeah, we, yeah. Are we, we, good? Are we still on for this? Yeah, right. <laughs> So six months go by and they call you like, what happened to you <laughs> yeah. guys? Oh, we were sort of wondering what happened <laughs> with you guys. Yeah. We, when we were first emailing back and forth uh, to work out the details of this, uh, the name of the person we were emailing with. <laughs> well, I don't, should we give away this three club secret? Oh, is it a secret? Okay, I guess uh, yeah. not. Yeah, uh, the, the name of the person we're emailing with was Billy D. Williams. And we're like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Billy D. Williams, like, you know, <laughs> like Star Wars and Batman. And uh, uh, we got there. We, we found out that um, we, we showed, we just thought it was somebody who happened to have the same name. Yeah. And we got there and showed up and we're like, hi, we're here to see um, Billy. <laughs> Billy D. Williams, <laughs> and uh, Billy D. Williams turned out to be a pseudonym for the uh, for the woman who does the booking there, and we were fooled. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, they got us. Yeah, <laughs> even the door guy though was just like, "Oh yeah, all right, wait yeah, back there, Billy. Yeah. Billy will be here." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I guess, I, long story short, is we gotta get in touch with Lando Calrissian and find out if yeah. we're good for <laughs> yeah. April. Yeah. I will say this: after our first show, when was that? October. November? October. Yeah. After that October show, we like really packed that place like to the rafters, like it was, and people were drinking and and uh, and we seemed to like when we asked like so can we like start doing this monthly in the new year? 
there was a bit, a lot of positivity in the responding yes, email. Yes, I think they was. were yeah, yeah. really happy with us. And I've seen other shows there since. And I don't think I've been to a show yet that's been as packed as ours have been. Even though, like, I've been to see, like, really good burlesque and stand-up shows there. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it quite as packed as ours. So yeah. it well, seems like we we're in good We do it shape. on Sunday night, which is a nice slot. Because um, we do it early enough that people will still go out and... But it's a Sunday, so they probably aren't committed to right. anything previous. To, it's a good, it's just a good slot to be yeah. in, and yeah. And like, I don't think a lot of people go out to bars on Sunday nights, anyways. So like, it's a if slow we night pack for the them, room, right? yeah. These are probably all people that were not going to be there in the first place. You know, we might be their business for that yeah. night, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as selling drinks. So, all I want to do is, I think we could be set if we just get on one of those listicles. That's like. Top 10 dates in Hollywood for 2018, you know? that's like, Every month, I just I hope that we get featured on one of those things. Well, I, so then we have to drop out the, the Time Out reference to you guys. You know, Time Out yes. Los Angeles shows you is one of the top 10 shows to see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, herald that proudly. That's true. That's great. That's one of the, that's yeah, that's that's one of the times that we have showed up in one of these listicles, and I'll never forget it. I'll, I'll keep using that in our marketing, yeah. We'll, we'll be in more listicles. we got to think big. So. we got to big hair write them yourself yeah that's yeah. true yeah. That's which true. is that is an idea that has been floated out there it seems very in character it's not wrong it's yeah. marketing yeah, yeah, it's right. mar- exactly yeah. exactly i think i just read something about like the best did you guys see this like the best reviewed restaurant in great britain oh yeah for like years and then it turns out doesn't exist yeah it's complete just, fake yeah yeah <laughs> so we do live in an age where like we can pretty much accomplish anything Sitting at a computer yeah. alone. Richard Roper just got suspended from the Chicago Sun-Times because he bought Twitter followers. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah, wow. which is crazy because it's like he had a pretty sizable Twitter following anyway. So I, I don't know, know why he felt the need well, to we don't, I, they're investigating it. Maybe he didn't do it. You know, yeah. who knows? But that, that is a thing that just happened yesterday or today. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did see that article. And, and it, it, it really does speak to the idea that we live where the social media, like the drive for that, like the click the click the click the like the like the like yes you know and it's like yeah he fabricated a story it was like and it's like and people believed it yeah you know the thing is people believe anything that pops up in their feed you live in a very like you know i thought the internet would be like the great leveler to (laughs) like it's like now the truth can come out right away but i what i didn't see coming was like yeah, but what if the truth is only like 10 percent and like there's just 90 percent of garbage being floated across your eyes every day and Like, I'm still bummed that I keep thinking they found Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day, the oh. truth will finally come out. Oh. There's um, a reality show in there somewhere. There is, there's, there's like th- there's four several. or five. Like, one of them is killing Bigfoot. Like, why would you want to kill Bigfoot? Like, you're on. right. If you're that excited about him, yeah. let him live. Exactly. <laughs> Capture him. Yeah. Release. Um, one of the things you just mentioned is that you've seen your show more packed, which, first of all, congratulations. But I think that's a testament to the need and the craving for something like this because it's LA. Everybody knows someone who's a member of the magic castle. So people can usually go, but it's such a hassle for the most part for, for most people. Like, you know, you, you have to get dressed up, you have to go to valet, you have to plan a night out, you have to plan in advance. Whereas this it's, it's like, cool. I can go to a club. It's like, you know, it's like going to see like, like a show at a club, like a a band versus going to Staples center to see to in dealing with that and the yeah, traffic right. and everything. And I think this is so much more accessible for people that are fans that it makes them want to go. 
you know, for all of those reasons. And that goes with what I was saying earlier about the magic community being so accessible to us, even as newcomers, is that like some of the some of the people that we are communicating with about being an act in this show, or even the people that have been an act in this show, would be like it, you know, if in your analogy, it would be like if somebody who could play the Staples Center, a musician who could play the Staples Center, decided to play a club. This person is like a rock star. If there are rock stars in the Magic World, other than Chris Angel, <laughs> if there are rock stars, then we're getting we're getting the the cream of the crop, the best people to come and do this uh, very accessible show. Because it's like you said, going to the castle is like it's a for some people. Uh, um, non-magicians it is like a major life event it's mm-hmm. something that they maybe only get to do once or twice or a few times maybe when they're just visiting LA it's like going to Disneyland it's a whole thing and uh, we're trying to create something that um, is quality wise is going to be as good but is just easier you know we mm-hmm. don't want to compete with the castle we know oh, we're not no, going to be able to do that yeah but it's just it's a it's a it's poor man's it's a magic hovel <laughs> Also, I feel like it might be worth mentioning that, like, and not to sound like too much of a millennial here, but, uh, like, we do, we're, like, shooting for and, like, I think so far have been successful with, like, making this show more diverse than the typical magic show that you might go to anywhere. Not to single anything out. Like, typically magic is just white men, and now we are two white men, like, hosting the magic show, but uh, because of that, we're trying to really make this show diverse and why not because we live in LA and there are a lot of magicians to choose from you know so yes we're actually uh yeah there's there's really uh this city probably has the most magicians per capita of of anywhere in the world so it it does make it easy to find uh oh oh it it turns out there are uh, actually a lot of female magicians and they're all really great and they all want to do our show uh Mm -hmm. there are magicians of color that can do our show and and so we don't have just (laughs) <laughs> two more white guys in tuxedos going, and now the rabbit comes out of the hat you know yeah yeah so anything yeah. we can do to do that is, is great that's awesome it reminds me of what um ucb d- did or they still might do i don't know but like i forget what the show is called but they only released the names on the friday before the show and it was always the same thing like top tier like comedians for like a five dollar ticket yeah and it was yeah, just yeah. like oh my god that person is at like a stage that's smaller than this kitchen table yeah. Like, yeah. for $5 when they're playing like the will turn for 50 tomorrow, right. you know, like, and it's rad that, that, that you guys are doing that because there's so much talent that so many people don't get to see because it price conscious, you know, I think yeah. that show you're describing is it Ascat with four S's or whatever. It might be. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ascat always gets you never a lot know. of like, you show up and there's eight people you all recognize from television. Yeah. And, like, I saw yeah. Zach Woods there once. Right, it was incredible. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, also only $5. The only thing is anyone can go see it, but it just like sells out way in advance. Yeah. And like the Virgil show I mentioned, you just got to get there and line up. Uh, but yeah, that's the best. Like I don't want to, all I want to pay is $5. This <laughs> and I want to see a good show. I live in LA. That's my right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now we're adding magic to the list of good shows you can see for 5 bucks. The secret, I think, and I don't know if it's a well-kept secret or not, but it's, I think these people that are at the top of their game in any field, whether it's comedians or magicians, musicians, like we're finding this is just, they like, they got into this business because they like being in front of an audience mm-hmm. and performing. And if you give them the opportunity to do that, especially at a venue they might not have performed at before for a group of people that they do not know, they more than likely are going to take us up on that offer and, and do our show. 
Exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah. Do your best stuff. Yeah. We'll pack the house with people who wouldn't ordinarily see you. Yeah. And we'll videotape it and send you a nice cut together. <laughs> yeah, video yeah. Too. <laughs> uh, yeah. We were sitting next to the cameraman just the other night. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and also something else that, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys ever went to the Steve Allen theater when it was up and running. And unfortunately that venue is, is transforming into something else, but um, they used to have like a midnight on Friday or Saturday, I believe. Uh, um, it was always weird. It was always something. It was either a band or it was it was it was sort of like a variety show, and they would tell you in advance usually what it was. But you would be there, and like I, the last time I attended it, you know, Janine Garofalo mm. like came out with a notepad and went. Guys, hope you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to try some new stuff, you know, and I think you guys have an opportunity for people who like, all right, fine, I'll give you my stuff. I'll give you my act. And then this is the perfect opportunity for them to slip in one new trick, you know, for slipping one new joke. And it's like those venues are, you know, it's like we, we recorded some other podcast stuff earlier this evening. We were talking about opportunities to experiment you know, it's like we're huge immersive theater fans, and I think this year is going to be a hugely experimental immersive theater year in Los Angeles. And I think what you're offering is you're offering an experimental space that people have the freedom to play. Yeah. And I mean, we, that's exciting as an audience member to watch. We tell them that. We tell them there's really no restrictions on what you do or say. We don't care. You know, it's an adult, it's an adult <laughs> show. So, do, you know, like, yeah. It is interesting, yeah. though. Like, the bigger the magician we reach out to, the more we, in even the email, it could be like, Feel free to test stuff out, well, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your presence is welcome. <laughs> you can try stuff for the first time. Yeah, it will be cool when we get to that point where our show is known enough. We're like, maybe even at the last second, a magician hits us up, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than right. well, us having it. Yeah. yeah, like, hey, can yeah. I test some stuff out? Yeah. I'm about to go on a morning talk show tomorrow <laughs> yeah. and yeah. do this, and I want to try it one more time. Great, yeah. It'll, it'll be nice to be to fill that niche. Yeah. Can you tell us who is coming? Do you have acts set for the next couple of shows? Yeah. Um, The next show uh, in February, we have uh, David Kovac, who is um, also a Chicago transplant. And, he's uh, hilarious. He's Very so funny. Vaudevillian. He, yeah, I believe he bills himself as the modern day vaudevillian. So uh, his act. Uh, I'm in. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Oh, it's, he's yeah, incredible. you got to see him. Really yeah. Um, and then we have uh, um, a friend of ours, uh, Ithamar Enriquez, who uh, is also somebody that we kind of, <laughs> you know, grew up watching. He was a yeah. he was a performer on the main stage at Second City in Chicago. Mm. I want to be his friend. Let's say that. Yeah, you're right. We're, right. we're, we're cordial. Know, we're, yeah, I would yeah, love to be <laughs> closer. Yeah, we looked up to him <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, um, terrific performer. And he does. He did this like, three years ago now. Three or so years ago, he did a one man show called Ithamar Has Nothing to Say. And it was a sketch show uh, entirely silent, uh, set to music. Um, so there's elements of mime, and but combined with traditional sketch comedy. And uh, the show played to great reviews here at Second City. And he's going to do um, about a 10 to 15 minute chunk of that show at Dirty Tricks in February. So that is something you definitely don't want to miss because that's very cool. unique. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, He's bringing that out of retirement. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then in March, we have... Well, and we also... Do we have the Walk Around Magician book? Oh, yes, that's right. And uh, in February, our Walk Around performer is uh, Lauren Cohen, who's a Magic Castle member and uh, um, a terrific Walk Around close-up magician, good mm -hmm. with cards. uh, We've seen her on television, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then in March, we have... um, 
John Armstrong, who is a guy who's won a couple of the Magic Castle's awards. And and Mike and I have both seen John before. You know John, yeah. yeah. He's great. And, a few times, actually. Uh, yeah. We also have Arthur Trace, who, like us, is from the suburbs of Chicago and is also um, a FISM winner, which is FISM is like the Olympics of magic. It's held like every three years. And there yeah. are prizes given out. And um, so those guys are He won that? Right? He is a FISM winner. I I'm, that's I'm shocked it, at our own lineup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah, at least that's what it says on his website. And then doing walk around will be um, a close-up magician named Robert Ramirez, who, as I understand it, is also um, something of a musical theater actor. And I love musicals. And uh, I think he uh, mentioned, or I think I saw on his website that he was in uh, uh, in the uh, touring company of In the Heights. And uh, he's... What? Yeah. I know, what? yeah. Wow. I know. Okay. So he, he might, uh, <laughs> I've only ever seen him do magic, but uh, he must also be a terrific musical theater actor, yeah. Cool. So we're happy to have him, yeah. And uh, and we'll probably have one or two more acts each of those months, but we're just still working to, to nail those down. That's two yeah. solid lineups. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So don't miss it. <laughs> yeah, we're staying ahead of it. Yeah. I don't think we actually said your price point. How much are tickets to the show? Uh, tickets to Dirty Tricks are $10, so a uh, very affordable show. But if you follow us on our social media, we do give out discount codes from time to time. And that so brings it down to $5. $5, yeah. yeah. So our Instagram is Bad Boys Magic, and mm-hmm. our Facebook is New, uh, New Bad Boys of magic yeah i'll repeat that yeah he says confidently yeah 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 instagram instagram is definitely bad boys magic facebook good luck no facebook (laughs) is new bad boys of magic that is so a little bit different and you mentioned previously um you know if someone is in town they'll hit you up um for a spot how do they hit you up well oh you're talking about other magicians yeah i you know i'm hoping this turns into that thing um but I guess if there were magicians from Chicago that we know that we're visiting, they could always email us. What's our email if anybody address? Want, yeah, if anybody wants to email us, if we're, anyone, very, we're desperate <laughs> to talk to people. We're very accessible at uh, info at badboysmagic.com. Uh, and what, you know, while you're uh, on your computer, go to badboysmagic.com. It's a great website. I mean, it's fine. It's a perfectly fine website. Let's not get carried away here. Um, so we've been talking, uh, you know, it seems like there's a lot of similarities between the comedy scene and community and magic. Um, a few years ago, uh, I remember there was this like a big thing with, you know, a certain comedian stealing jokes from people. Does that happen in the magic community where people steal tricks and then get called out and whatnot? Uh, it's this is one respect, I would say, where it's kind of different uh, because in the magic community, a lot of magicians, uh, besides making their living doing shows, also make their living um, giving lectures to other magicians and um, selling books and DVDs to other magicians where they uh, reveal methods to their uh, tricks that they might have invented. Uh, so, you know, there's an understanding, I think, that a lot of times. Um, Magicians are doing tricks that have been passed down in that way, or they're doing old classics like a cut and restored rope or a cups and balls routine. But there's an expectation that um, if you're going to do that, you would put your own spin on it. You you know you you would make it your own in some way. So the um, etiquette is yeah, if it's yeah. a trick that a magician has shared openly to other magicians, then it's fair game. If not, and you see a magician do something and you figure out how it's done, which you probably can because you're a magician, and then you do the same trick then that is definitely frowned upon. It does happen. Uh, David Copperfield has taken some flack for 
you know. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, because there's... Um, I hope David Copperfield doesn't sue me. <laughs> uh, well, he's our number one listener. So. Oh, no. I, I was trying to get him for April, but forget <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Great. I'll say this. Just to, to not just call out a magician, but to like uh, to prop another magician up, there's an incredible magician that I looked up to a lot growing up called Kevin James. Not the comedian Kevin James, but a magician named Kevin James, who has created tons of incredible illusions, like truly amazing things. One trick he created was called the Snowstorm. Oh, sure. I used to do that trick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but Kevin James had a whole story that went with it about how he had never seen snow as a child and, you know, all this stuff. I've seen that routine. It's a great routine. It's incredible. It's really beautiful. <clears throat> great way to, like, end a show. The story goes that, you know, Copperfield reached out to him and said, can I buy this from you for, you know, I'm sure a lot of money. And Kevin James said, like, no, this is my bread and butter. This is one that I just want to keep for me. And, and Copperfield just started doing it anyways. Wow. Mm. Um, and years later, and, little Daniel Donahue started doing it. Yeah. I didn't even know it. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, you were a, you were a kid. I, everyone does a snowstorm, but I think that at the time it was it was less open. And at the time also, like, you certainly didn't tell the same story yeah, that yeah, Kevin yeah. James did. But I think Copperfield just took the same story because it's a heartwarming story. It's about oh, like, it the first yeah. time you ever see snow as a kid when you don't grow up in like a cold weather state. Uh, and I know that, that Copperfield has taken flack for doing that other times. And again, I'm sure it happens a lot. He's probably the big dog and it's easy to single him out, but, um, but yeah. I'm sure it happens. On the subject of jokes though, it does seem like there's about the same, I don't know, 40 or so jokes that a lot of magicians are recycling constantly. Like, you know, just yeah. And that's a different thing. Not like it's yeah. inappropriate, but. It's it's not like they're being stolen from anyone because there's it's just these jokes have been going on for so many years that um, who like can what say for example that? like uh... well like you know one one that I see everybody do is um, you know they they are going to do a trick where somebody's borrowed bill and they borrow a hundred dollar bill with someone from someone and they make it disappear and they say okay great now we're going to get back your fifty dollar bill the joke is right you know, the and every time yeah. they say it it's a smaller and smaller Smoke, but yeah um <laughs> there's so much stuff like that in magic and i think that we every time we script out one of our routines we really challenge ourselves to be like hey you know what we have a background in comedy let's let's put something new you don't need to have like, any like classic yeah. magician jokes that everyone yeah. has heard a hundred times right right um, yeah yeah and we've done one or two um tricks that we either like you know we in our recent show we did one with those cardboard boxes that was a trick that we bought but wrote our own script to and mm-hmm. and um, that's a marketed trick it's like a marketed trick yeah, right it yeah. goes into boxes um, yeah. but then some of the other stuff that you've seen us do particularly in that fringe show was almost entirely of our own invention both the script and the trick itself the, the method itself like the so. chugging of the alcohol the fifth of rum that we chug yes. is our trick oh my that's, god that's, that's, that's we were common. talking was... about that <laughs> yeah for, for like like what <laughs> Yeah, we we tried to figure that out. We really did. That's kind of our signature piece. Uh, it is our really most is, infamous yeah. trick that we've done today. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gotten us kicked out of venues. It, it is not famous. Really? Yeah, we got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Dan, watch the. I think we can say it, right? I mean, we. Well, yeah. we performed it at uh, at UCB Sunset, and I think part of the reason we got kicked out is I think there are actually a few reasons, but <laughs> I, I think that they thought that we actually chugged a fifth of double proof rum like i think they thought it was real yes they really quite often audiences do gasp as if it's real yeah um and because they didn't even want to let us drive home when we had to like 
go to the valet and get after the they keys. kicked us out then they were concerned about us they're like Wait, driving home yeah because, yeah yeah so because they realized they would be liable yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. um <laughs> we told them to leave and now they're leaving oh no yeah exactly uh, uh so but that only adds to the mystique of yeah the trick, we, I think, we announced like, that at yeah. the top of all no no every subsequent now. time we've done that trick we say this is the trick that literally got us kicked off stage we, oh know, hell yeah. yes you yeah, should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we were recently told we we were in contact with a, a television producer who told us that this would you know he's like i, I don't know if he said he loved, i think he said he loved it or something like that he said he said like but, i really like you guys the, uh this won't work, work on television <laughs> yeah. so now it's the trick that's too hot for television we can't do it on stage. yeah it's too raw for <laughs> uh yeah, for people that don't know, the trick is it's the amazing disappearing fifth of rum. And we, um, uh, whereas most magicians might present a bottle of alcohol and make the bottle disappear, uh, we make the rum inside disappear by drinking it. After proving it's, <laughs> it's real, real by passing yeah. out a few shots <laughs> yeah. to the audience. And, and, you know, it's real. Um, but, the, but it is a trick. <laughs> it's funny, though. Dan and I have sort of like painted ourselves into a corner here because... That that was the trick we do whenever we get asked to do an offshoot variety show. Mm. That's not our dirty trick show. That's usually what we'll do. And but quite often when people come to see us after that, they're like, "Oh, I liked your show, but man, like that that fifth of rum thing, man, that's still like the best thing." Yeah. And and it started to frustrate us. So now we are like in the early stages of the next routine that we feel like <laughs> will be as shocking as that. Because now we have to like, yeah, we're like a band that can't escape, you know, we do other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Play the hit. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Um, And this is just another question, just I'm wondering personally, um, you know, when you tell people you're magicians in your personal life, do you become like kind of like the do a trick, do a trick? Like, do you get that a lot? And how annoying is it? I do get that a bit. I think that. It's weird. Like, I think some people, you know, I gave you my background and like how I grew up in magic. I didn't necessarily like choose from a young age mm-hmm. to like be around it. But a lot of magicians love magic so much. They always carry cards yeah. with them. And they're actually the ones who are like, hey, I've never met you before, but can I do some tricks for you? That's a tricky one because I don't want to ever feel like I'm imposing my exactly. weird hobby. <laughs> so I like never have anything on me. Um, if people ask me, what I usually say is this. I'm like, yeah, if you have a deck of cards, I'll do something for you because most people don't. (laughs) And if it's really that important to them that they really want to see a trick, they'll remember to bring me a deck of cards next time. That's like the line that I, because it is a little, you know, it, it's nice that people want to see your talent, but, uh, it it was something that, this is just a funny anecdote on this subject, which it was something that I had gotten in the habit of not telling people for years. Um, and, uh, you know, because I wasn't really doing it and I, uh, went out on uh, two dates uh, about a year ago with, uh, with a woman here in L.A. who I met, uh, you know, through, like, an online app, so either Tinder or Bumble. So it had, it had my um, Instagram connected to it. So it was very stalkable. You know, she could theoretically find out that I was a magician because, she, you know, she would see that I had been tagged in photos of the Magic Castle or what have you. Yeah. And um, the first date uh, didn't come up because, in my opinion not really first date material. <laughs> uh, and then the second date, um, you know, she kept really uh, prying, like about my hobbies and my interests and what I do. And I, it got to the point where like, I could f- sense that she's trying to get, I think she found out that I was just trying to get magic out of me. And I, so I told her and she says, oh, that is so funny that you say that because, <clears throat> well, 
I'm actually writing a pilot about magicians right now, oh and I would gosh. love to get your thing, which is very LA. And, oh then, I, and then there was no, uh, there was oh. no third date after that conversation. <laughs> I you thought know, she so was going like, to yeah. be like, "That's so weird. I've never been to the Magic Castle. Yes. Maybe yeah, you can yeah. take me." <laughs> Yeah, That's so hilarious. it is a very yeah. LA story. Yeah. Very LA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's also, on the other hand, even though I thought this was a cliche, and maybe this is just an LA thing. But I have found that women are more interested in me knowing that I'm a magician, and that seems like it should be the yeah, opposite. Yeah. Maybe it's just because it's LA, but it is like a cool, intriguing, mysterious thing. I think it's that 2018 thing of like you know it's hip to be square everyone's got their things that they like and there's yeah. no you know there's no cool kids anymore i still don't so think they, it's hip to say it's hip to be <laughs> square <laughs> but, uh, just give it a few years I think I it'll work point. its way back it's coming back yeah. it's coming back <laughs> well it is like you said it's different and it's mysterious exactly so that works in your favor right yeah and as i don't know if it was dan or i that coined the term but there are a lot of wand chasers <laughs> in los angeles and, <laughs> <laughs> so we are uh we're banking on that. You guys so need to start hashtagging that. <laughs> yeah. 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 We need to put it into one yeah. of our... That yeah. needs to be a dating app for just magicians. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> so. First thing, are you a wand or a top hat? <laughs> oh. That's the first question. That should make it into some future act if you can write it, it in should. somehow. Absolutely. Because that's too, that's too yeah. good like, yeah. not to use. Yeah. I am surprised that no magician has... I've never heard a magician say that before. Uh, the term, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, I, mean, no, I, I think, think we, we invented that. it, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll make its way, yeah. In. Are you searching now? Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm searching. I'm gonna search GoDaddy because if if wandchasers.com is available, one of you needs to we buy should it. Snitch we should snatch that. Yeah. that up. Could be yeah. a, oh yeah, could absolutely. Be a multi-million dollar app. You never know. Uh, <laughs> like I don't know about that, man. Yeah, just a way for women who love magic to meet magicians. There's so many single magicians. Yeah. This isn't a bad idea. Or, or eligible wands. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. only you two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Put like 20 different pictures of us in different like exactly. outfits. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's, awesome. it's a dating website to date us. To <laughs> date us. Yeah. yeah. It's a dating website. Yeah. <laughs> I think someone owns it. Oh, no. Someone just, just bought it. it. Yeah, that's like how somebody's sitting on Bad Boys Magic on Facebook. And that's really, why we, yeah. I wouldn't even know where to start with trying to get them to give it. Like, yeah. What kind of advice would you give someone that wants to follow in your footsteps uh, with either the writing or the comedy or the magic? The biggest thing I'm learning right now is, again, how accessible people are. And, like, you know, I think even a year ago, we would have thought, like, we can't just go up to people and ask them to give us advice or, or collaborate with us on a show. And now we're just finding like, you know, the worst thing that they can do is say no, you know? So my, I guess my advice would be, uh, try to try to make as many friends as possible and, and really, uh, don't be afraid to reach out to people. You can't do it all alone. As far as comedy, um, or really, yeah, any, any performative thing is just to like do something different, you know, you know, there aren't, so so many magicians out there but there are a lot and like a lot of them do tell the same jokes a lot of them do do the same tricks um but if you can come up with your own twist on things that's what's going to push you over the edge you know even our hero Zabrecki um it's not that the tricks you're he's doing are like unbelievably mind-blowing it's that he's doing them in a different a way that no one else has ever done it, and he has a character that no one else has has ever had uh so just be different is it a was it Di Vernon that said this or I don't know who said this but um or Jay Marshall or something that said um if you want to be famous just pick something really weird and be the best in the world at it mm -hmm. um 
So, you know, even within something like, you know, you become incredible at hand puppetry and odds are you will reach a degree of fame or, you know, at least, uh, you know, my friend Becky Poole plays the saw really well and that gets her. And she's also a great actress and does a lot of other voiceover. Like she's great, but like that saw thing gets her into shows like so many variety shows. Cause it's such a unique talent. Get good at something weird and, and it'll just open up so many doors. Great. Uh, something that you just mentioned was, you know, we've, we've talked about Rob Zabrucki. Uh, Mike and I both like his stuff as well. And, but going back, like you talked about, you know, getting the magic set as a kid, you know, and you, uh, you know, I, you, when you were talking about like going on vacation to a magic convention, yeah. it's like, I wish my family was that cool. <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> I've been to magic conventions and I, I, I know the nerd vibe is strong there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when you were younger, like, who was your inspiration? And the, and the reason I'm, I'm going there is because of what you just said of, like, who did you look at? And you're like, wow, I've never seen that. Or that inspires me because it's so different for you guys. Like, who do you remember, like, turning you on in a way of like, like, this is so cool. This is a different trick. This is a different method. For me, there was this magician named Tom Mullica, who my whole family loved him. And we used to watch his VHSs over and over until they like burnt to a crisp. But he was like, he did incredibly unique bar magic, but he was also just the funniest person I'd ever seen in my life. Like, you know, it it was because he was so funny that kept bringing us back, but also the magic was so good. You could watch him over and over Mm -hmm. and never figure it out. His most famous trick for him, the trick that like got him to go all around the world was this trick where he, it's all set to music and he, uh, he's, you know, takes out a cigarette and lights it and he throws it in his mouth lit. And then he, uh, takes another one, lights it, throws it in his mouth until he has four. And then, you know, he pushes them all out and he smoke like he smokes all four of them. They're still lit. Then he brings those into his mouth, puts another four on top of that, lights all four, and then takes those into his mouth until he has 12 lit cigarettes in his mouth. And then he like starts stuffing napkins into his mouth and then he just swallows and the, it's all gone. Now, no, he did not swallow the 12 cigarettes and do that every night. Uh, And he didn't do that every time he was on TV. He would be dead immediately. It was a trick, but it was incredibly unique. And on top of just how unique it is to, like, make these cigarettes disappear from your mouth, the whole thing set to music and the way it flowed and all the comedy, it it was incredible. But, yeah, him being so unique and so funny and so weird, that's probably what made me want to do comedy to begin with, much less magic. Mm. This is tough for me. Because Dan is his own idol. I was so (laughs) sheltered. I do love myself. (laughs) That's true. No, I was just so sheltered then. Actually, it was probably like... Yeah, it was... I guess for me, it was way more mainstream. Of just like... (laughs) You know, this is going to sound silly to say, but there was kind of like a televised magic boom in the mid-1990s. You know, there was the Masked Magician specials and the David Copperfield specials and the Lance Burton specials. And... uh, uh, it was just me as a kid going, I want to do that, which, you know, in retrospect, you're, you're absolutely right. I wasn't, I wasn't doing the right. I wasn't being unique. I was just trying to copy what I saw. 
mean, I was six. I might be being hard on myself. Well, but, you know. And I've seen yeah. footage of you at six. And it does yeah. seem like you are just like being more presentational than I've ever seen a six-year-old. Yeah, but, yeah. But it seemed like, yeah. I mean, how old were you when you first saw Lance Burton? You were a kid. Uh, when I saw him live, I was like 12. It yeah. seems to me like that's the guy who you wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, absolutely. He's no suave question. and yeah, he's well-dressed. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, there definitely is a video or two on YouTube of me just basically ripping off Lance Burton's like candle manipulation act for a school talent show. Uh, it's completely shameless. But again, you know, since I was very young, I wouldn't do that now. But you know, yeah. But there's no other like 12 year old in the audience going, "Yeah, it's a complete." He's yeah, doing right. Like uh, you know, that is a very that is a very good point. There was right. There was no. Uh, yeah, exactly. There was no one else that nobody caught you at it. Yes, at yeah, 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 yeah. You're correct. Yes, that is very true. But I, I have a question for you guys. Have either of you seen David Copperfield perform live? Yes. Yeah, I just I saw have. him this past summer. Yeah, he is. I have not seen him in years, but he does have this weird. When I saw him, he's one of the few performers I've ever seen that he has this unbelievable charm yeah. over the audience, yeah. and the. It's it's not even the I want to believe in you. It's the it, it's this weird pull, you know. Because I remember yeah. like literally like leaning forward almost the entire show because uh, like he just has this natural charisma and charm that makes you want to go on the ride with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And it's like and it is truly. It, it's it's it was. Uh, I remember that performance so well because of the feeling he gave off of like oh I I want to believe in this guy. Yeah, and it, it's an unbelievable talent, I think. Yeah, I got to see him on tour when I was a kid, and then this most recent time um, was in Las Vegas, and I had, I, you know, I had been drinking my way through Las Vegas, and so by the time I got to the show, is you know, you can imagine, but uh, he does in his current stage show, he does this kind of extended piece where um, his, I think his father. Uh, worked in the Air Force in some capacity, and he does this extended piece about um, how he wished that his father would make contact with life on another planet. And he starts conversing with an alien puppet on stage. And through conversing with, the, with this blue <laughs> alien puppet, he illuminates his relationship with his late father, and then a flying saucer appears at the end of it, and I was in tears. And as he, insane yeah. as that sounds, I'm sure he sold it in a way where it didn't seem insane. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, he, he, he has he's that, an amazing that salesman. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I was picking on him earlier. But, yeah, I mean, he, when he made the Statue of Liberty disappear, that's one of the greatest yeah. moments yeah. of magic of all time. Which you is know. still being argued as to exactly how. Exactly, yeah. And I love the fact that, like, years later he said, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, it's like I know all the theories and what makes you think – I haven't put fake theories out there. I'm like, what? <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. It was like one of those moments where like, oh my God, that's so brilliant. <laughs> and I believe that he would do that. Yeah, he's, yeah he's absolutely. That guy. It's like, yeah. it, it's, it's the best way of covering the truth. Yeah. Cough, government cough. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see him again. Uh, so I know his act has slowly evolved over time, but he does do some incredible things. He's... I remember him floating, flying around inside of a, a glass box on stage. Oh, yeah, I don't I know think if he I still does that. that. Yeah, no, not, but like, yeah. you know, I know enough about magic to be able to figure most things out, but like, it is so good. Like, it, it it's my, knowing how it's done doesn't even mean anything because yeah. it's so good. Yeah. You know? I, I just wanted to mention this as 
you know, because it just occurred to me, there's like one other incredible performer at the Magic Castle that would be on like a dream list of mine too. Oh, I know what made me think of this. There's a, a magician that works the bar downstairs called Mike Bashada, oh, yeah. who has, you know, like Copperfield has this sense of um, captivation, right? He can mm-hmm. like captivate his audience. And David Blaine has that same that same thing where like he can gather people around just him and a deck of cards and just talk to them and do something. Even if it's not an amazing trick by magician standards, it'll be the greatest trick anyone's ever seen. And this guy, Mike Bashada has that same level of intensity where like, you just can't look away from him. You can't look away from his cards. And he happens to be just technically brilliant. And his timing and his jokes make for just like, usually I only like super silly, funny magicians, but Bashada is very like serious about it but still very funny, um, and he's one of my all-time favorites. Can you imagine him doing walk-around magic? Dude, one of yeah. shows? That would be a dream come true. <laughs> so, just want to show some love for that guy. Another question I'd like to ask you guys is your creative process. You know, what comes first, routine, trick? Do you build the routine around the trick? Do you, do you go out and discover new tricks? Like, what is your creative process do you, to develop a new trick? How do you find what goes into the show? I think what we found a lot is that um, in magic, you can boil a lot of tricks down to a few dozen sort of plots, Mm -hmm. meaning like, you know, this is a borrowed dollar bill to an impossible location Uh, is a plot in magic, but one magician might make that dollar bill appear in a lemon, one might make it appear in an orange, one might make it appear in an envelope that's been sitting across. You know, you or it won't yeah. be a dollar bill, it'll be something else. Yeah, right. Or, right. or it might appear in a lemon, but it's a, a borrowed finger ring instead of a dollar bill or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a few of the tricks, uh, if not most of them, that we've developed have been taking like a known plot and then working it backwards toward the lens of like, what would these what would these characters do with that plot? Right. Um, and then from there, it's a lot of, um, okay, now we, we have to think of our method or furiously research methods that are out there and go through books and DVDs and, and just, and just sit and think sometimes. Yeah. I think the best tricks though, or the best ones we've made so far are like, we first think, what do we want the trick to be without any understanding of how it will be done? Yes. And then we figure out how to do it. And, uh, as opposed to the other way around, which is like, oh, here's a trick. I'm just going to do that and do it with a different story. It's best to be like, what do I want to do? Okay, I want to make this alcohol disappear. Let's figure out a way to do that. I think in um, every case, the method has come last. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's always evolving and you're always working on it. And you can't always just sit down and like think and make it better. You got to put it up in front of an audience. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. wow, that, when I said it this way, people reacted like that or this way. Yeah, it's... Absolutely. It's a process, but... And the the upcoming trick, because <laughs> another common thing is like, okay, there will be uh, some kind of mental revelation, like, all right, you picked a card and we already had it as a prediction, or you gave us a dollar bill and we have the serial code written on a poster board in a new trick we're doing, and feel free to cut this out if this is too much, uh, but <laughs> a new trick we're doing, the serial code of a dollar bill will be revealed via to be on as like you know, uh, we we cannot put that on a podcast. We can't reveal that. Okay, we, like okay, that okay. is too good. That's yeah, great. Excellent. That's oh. great.
we want to thank you guys for coming out and talking. Mike and I uh, just, we thoroughly have enjoyed the performance that we've seen from you guys. We wish you all the luck in the world with the Variety Show. Thank you. I hope it continues to be a huge success. Is there anything else that you have that you want to push or any other shows coming up? Any other chance for people to see you guys perform other than hosts of the Variety Show? Not yet. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do improv anymore. Yeah, uh, we both have that, yeah. Um, we, I, we both spent a lot of time at home writing. This is our, this is our performance. Do you want to plug your... My movie? Yeah. Uh, I recently like sold a movie that got made, and it hasn't been released yet, but it is called The F Happened. Uh, you can fill in the blanks on what F stands for. <laughs> um, but I believe we have like an Instagram thing now. But um, you know, when the F happened is released, watch cool. it. It'll be very, very raunchy, and kind of raunchy in the voice of the new Bad Boys of Magic. I think so. Excellent. I guess I'm building a brand, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cut that out. I want that cut out. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can leave it. Uh, no, branding is a good thing. I work for that's a corporation, true. so yeah. that's true. That's true. I'm very used to like, what does this say about the brand? It's like, I shouldn't be that. ashamed. No. Um, yeah, I think that's the only thing that the only other thing I would plug. Yeah, I'm I'm unemployed, so I have nothing to plug unless somebody you know, unless there's somebody hiring out there or yeah. some wand chasers. Yeah, yeah. Bernie <laughs> Wanchers, If you want to date with Dan Donahue, um, hit him up. So he has free time. Yes. Yeah. Too much. And we do have one question that we do like to ask. Uh, it's a tradition. It's a tradition okay. on this podcast. We do, we do have a, a certain things that we like to know about people that I think says something about you guys, uh, depending on how you answer the question. Interesting. So, it's like when inside the actor's studio, it's like, what's your favorite noise? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's exactly. <laughs> okay. Are you team Kit Kat or are you team Snickers? Oh, wow. wow. You just. This is the first question that's frozen. This is <laughs> yeah. We are speechless. I think we're both having the same thought, but uh, no. If I have to choose, I've been Team Snickers since I was a kid, and I'm going to stay Team Snickers. All right. Yeah, I um, I am on Team Snickers. However, I had a big lunch today, <laughs> and I feel like a Kit Kat is a little bit lighter. So, I can't believe you know, you're. You it's situational. It's completely situational. So I am going to go on Team. A Kit Kat. You're a fair weather snack. You really are. <laughs> so situational. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Of course, as the other Kit Kat person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so what are we dealing with? Kit Kat Snickers? Mm. See, it's... So we're split even yeah. at this table. I Look, I understand Snickers. I appreciate Snickers. They're right for certain situations. But <laughs> yeah. Kit Kat is a more graceful, finessed snack item as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Snickers is It's like a meal. But like, there's something just kind of like, mm, you know, mm-hmm. like... They satisfy. Yeah. So, I just yeah. realized I ate this in front of the microphone. <laughs> no, that's quite right. That doesn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It adds um, to the realness. So I, I but I, I will say that, however, um, uh, a friend of mine gave me these uh, during the haunt season, and like these are atrocious. The pumpkin oh. pie Kit Kat. Oh. I've had some weird. I've had a, <laughs> I've had a seaweed flavored Kit Kat from uh, Japan. Was, I have not had yeah, the seaweed. Weird, I've yeah. had the green tea. I've had strawberry. Oh, maybe that's what yeah, it was. Yeah. Maybe yeah. So um, yeah. My friend Baz despises anything pumpkin flavored, and around around the holidays, he's constantly posting like because they just turn everything into a pumpkin flavor oh, yeah. or something. It's mm-hmm. and it is wretched, right? Yeah, it's pretty wretched. It's not the best. So, I, I was I was doing some adulting like earlier this week, and I had to run to Target, and they still have the pumpkin Oreos like in like huge. I wonder stacks. why that is. And they are so marked <laughs> down yeah. right now. <laughs> 
Yeah. The like Oreo the flavors have gotten Halloween. out of control. There's yeah, so Oreo, many. Yeah. Oreo is shameless yeah. at this point. So, yes. Yeah. Um, um, thank you guys for this, for this, this treat. So this was, yeah, you guys you. have been gentlemen <laughs> until the very end. Uh, <laughs> and um, then we brought that out and just blew the whole thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> now we're angry at you guys. Oh. Uh, no, thank you so much, guys. And good luck with the show. Good luck with all of your endeavors. Good luck with the film coming out. Uh, you know, Good luck with the dating. Good luck with everything. <laughs> Actually, I'm happily in a relationship. But I, I'm the yeah. single one again. So yeah, yeah. Actually, contact me. Uh, okay. All right. So all right. So anything else? That's it. Thank you for dropping by. Thank you for coming on my Haunt Life thank podcast. You. We sincerely appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys thank you so much. much. We're big fans appreciate of you guys. Yeah. Now, thank you. <laughs> now <laughs> it's official. Now, yeah. hey, we the were Snickers clinched it. We were fans <laughs> of you after one show. So. Now we got to see you guys work. Yeah. This might be my favorite haunted house in LA. This should be an <laughs> yes. attraction. But yes. Yeah. yes, your apartment is. Do you ever yeah. review your apartment on my hotline? So, <laughs> we should cool. do a video one. So people have made jokes about my apartment. So <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be it. you. So yeah. I, I have a whole like haunt shelf over there, and if you notice on the shelf over here on the bookcase, that's all my Disney stuff. Like it's mm. it's down below the, the like I have a lower level one. Like that's all Disney on one side, and it's all haunt stuff on the other side. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. mix. <laughs> so again, thank you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Russell, th- I like I love interviews like this because yeah. there's so much excitement and passion into something that they're doing and to be that excited about something makes me that much more excited about doing things. Yeah. And the fact that they are trying to do something new with this variety show and offer a venue for such a different variety of acts in a, in a really accessible. And I think that's the key word accessible format and venue. Like I, I'm so happy that these guys are trying this and I, I wish them all the luck in the world. And I really appreciate them coming by and talking. Yeah, thank you so much, Dan and Eric, again. Um, for more information on them, you can go to badboysmagic.com on Facebook, New Bad Boys of Magic, on Instagram, Bad Boys Magic. And for tickets to Dirty Tricks, you can go to Eventbrite, and we'll have the link in the show notes because this link has a lot of dashes and some slashes, and you won't remember it anyway. So the next show of Dirty Tricks is happening on Sunday, February 18th. Tickets are on sale on Eventbrite. Check it out. Follow them on social media. You might find a discount or two. Yeah, it'll be a fun show. Go out, gather some friends, have a good time. Yeah. And one last thank you to Dan and Eric. Uh, Thank you again, and we will see you soon. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. See ya. Get out. Mm. We're done for now. Yeah, are you on this like <laughs> online Illuminati group that like shares all the secret info? I bathe in the blood of virgins. <laughs> I see, I see. Um, that has nothing to do with his question. No, it's just <laughs> <laughs> changing the subject. I'm just bragging. Jeez. <laughs>